Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas Studios. Okay, so taking the public dump out. This is the Press Box. You have zero leverage here, and we don't like you. With. I I think he got into one of those relationships with, you know, just a manipulative girlfriend. Ed Grady and Adam Candy. Yeah, all right. Well, everybody. No, it's not. Helium Ed Graney, it's smooth jazz. Doug Douglas filling in for Ed Graney today, but we do have Adam Candy. Adam, how's it going today? Oh, it's going good, Doug. <laughs> or we don't have Adam Candy either. Well, I will uh, say this. He is, he, according to Clean Feed, he is muted. So, we well, have... According to you, according to you. Well, or according to no audio coming through. We'll no, just go with no, no. Uh-oh, science you denier guys, Adam you Candy. Think you, you guys think. Like smooth jazz. I like smooth jazz. Smooth yes. Jazz. Well, uh, we will check in with Ed Graney, though, live from Raiders Camp today at 730. I'll give you a quick story, Adam. When I first started on radio, I was over on Comp 92.3, the rock station, as the producer. I filled in when they were, when the regulars were on vacation, and I was doing Metallica. So I would be going, it's like, and coming up next, we've got the Four Horsemen by Metallica. And <laughs> listeners would call up, because I had never been on the radio before. I was behind-the-scenes person. they go, Doug, you're putting us to sleep. Wake us up. Stop with the smooth jazz. So I've always felt I was ready to fall back on that smooth jazz career. So if you ever hear me on a PBS or a smooth jazz station, I, I, I think I'm ready. I'm ready to I was go on say. That. We could try to fool people into thinking they're listening to, like, Morning Edition or something like that. Like, <laughs> It's Doug Douglas and Adam Candy with all of the sports topics of the day. I think ratings will soar. There will be there will be mass uh, hysteria when uh, Tyler and Ed come back. Of course, Tyler on vacation this week. Ed in and out because, like we said, he's at Raiders training camp over there in beautiful Henderson, Nevada. As I know, Adam, you and I are uh, true Hendersonites. Denizens, if you will. There you go. In fact, you and I actually don't live that far uh, apart from each other. I know where you live, but I don't think you know where I live. So that's a little creepy right there. A little. That's that's not a little creepy. That's uh, that that's a lot creepy. I will. Uh, I'll make sure to shut the windows at night now. <laughs> yes, yes, and it's always a good idea to do that. Speaking of creepy, we've got Jared here running the uh, board. <laughs> Are you guys ready for the first bite? Let's go. The first bite. Should the Raiders be trying to trade Mariota to Indianapolis? Well, I'll say this, uh, definite. What are your goals for the Raiders this year? If their goals are to be in playoff contention, I think you have to. Because one thing the Colts have is some depth on defense. And the one thing the Raiders could use is some depth or starters on defense, more pieces on defense. So for me, you got to take that gamble. It's always great to have a very good second quarterback, but just like in fantasy football, you can only start one at a time. I think you have to be open to all options, and I think uh, the Colts could have some pieces. What do you think, Adam? Yeah, Doug, if you're John Gruden and Mike Mayock right now, you have to be burning up the phone lines to Indianapolis and at least seeing what your choices are because – Marcus Mariota is that rare asset that you have that you can afford to trade without it really hurting your team. Like you said, you start one at a time. Above and beyond that, John Gruden 
seems to express the idea that having a good backup quarterback is important, that just in case Derek Carr gets hurt, et cetera, et cetera. But put it this way, this team is a fringy at best playoff contender as currently constructed with that defense that, as you mentioned, was a bottom 10 defense in the NFL last year, has been a bottom 10 defense in the NFL pretty much the entirety of the time under John Gruden. Now, can you necessarily get a defensive starter out of Indianapolis? I don't know. Maybe, but you never know if you don't make that phone call. More likely, you're looking at a draft pick. And even though the Raiders haven't shown a great uh, ability to utilize those draft picks, you have to at least see what you can get out of an Indianapolis team that might be a little bit desperate now that Carson Wentz is out. They don't know what they have in Jacob Eason. They don't know at all. And so if Derek Carr gets hurt, this team's not going anywhere anyway, right? Like this team doesn't have a future with Marcus Mariota as the starting quarterback that we are aware of unless John Gruden's been hiding something from us. Well, I will say this, though. If all they get back is draft picks, then I would say don't do the deal because you can't keep selling the future, future, future. Gruden has been there long enough that you can't keep saying, well, we're still building for the future. So if it involves a draft pick and some depth at defense. So I'm not saying defensive starter, but I'm saying if it's a package deal, but if all, if I saw today, Mariota goes to the Colts for, I don't know, I'm just making something up, but a third round pick uh, next year or a second round pick, I'm disappointed. If that same thing is they get a fourth round pick or a third round pick from for next year and some kind of depth on the defense, then I'm like, Hey, you know what? I, I understand you got to roll the dice. It'll be interesting to see how Indianapolis handles it, because as you mentioned, that is the strength of that team. The defense is what is going to carry that Indianapolis team, along with a good offensive line that might not be quite as good as it was last year with the retirement of Anthony Costanzo. But at the same time, it's the defense that the Colts are banking on, and they've felt like for two years now that they were a quarterback away. And Phillip Rivers came in there last year and gave them a representative performance. Look, they were right in that wild card game uh, with the Buffalo Bills. They had the opportunity to go farther than they did, and things did not bounce their way. And they, to be honest, they made a clear downgrade at quarterback, bringing in Carson Wentz. I am not a believer in the Carson Wentz renaissance. I've said multiple times that last year he graded out by pro football focus between Drew Locke and Mitchell Trubisky. And there's not a lot to say that Carson Wentz is going to turn this around. So if I'm Indianapolis, even if Carson Wentz might be ready by week three, week four, I still might want to know what else is out there. I still might want to know what I can do. And it might not be for a guy who is going to supplant Carson Wentz immediately. But what is that Colts team going to do if Carson Wentz isn't any good when he comes back? What if... Because he hasn't shown for the last couple of years that he has the ability to do it. So if you're the Raiders and you have Marcus Mariota, uh, what else is Marcus Mariota doing for you? And I I guess that's the question I have, Doug, is if Marcus Mariota is going to be some sort of a goal line package guy, as we've seen suggested uh, in the last couple of days, then, yeah, maybe there is some present value to where I don't want to trade him for a second round pick. Um, But more than likely, I I, I still want to know what is out there from Indy. Well, I will say this. Indy does have a few choices. I don't know if you heard yesterday, Nick Foles in a press conference was saying, you know, he would welcome a Frank Reich reunion, at, which is a little strange for, uh, I know uh, the depth chart is not kind to Foles there, but 
you know, wouldn't that be something if somehow the Colts went for a Foles or possibly, you know, a Garoppolo with the way things are potentially shaking out uh, up north of us or something like that. So the Colts do have some options, and I do find it fascinating. Usually on football injuries, you know, it's a tighter window of, you know, six to eight weeks or something like this. I mean, five to 12 weeks, that is for Wentz to be out. That's what they're saying right now. That is a huge difference in what you need to do if you're a Colts uh, front office. Doug, I I got my doctorate last night. Oh, um, I, I read mm-hmm. I read I read deep on this injury. Facebook and you uh, have a Facebook doctorate? Uh, yes. Uh, no, my Facebook doctorate is for all my beliefs on uh, you know current medical and health situations. I don't Ooh. do any of that for uh, seven forty five for... preview. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Good job, Jared. I like that. Um, no, when it comes to this injury, uh, the surgery will clean up the bone fragment from Carson Wentz's foot, but the reason they're giving this five to twelve week time frame is that it's largely going to be a pain tolerance issue. Uh, the this injury apparently is one that you can play through depending on your level of tolerance for the pain. And look, we've seen Carson Wentz try to play through injury before, and that's the real question because this is a foot injury. Because Carson Wentz, when he's at his best, has mobility on his side. How often do the Colts want to roll him out if they do throw him back out there? Are they getting the best version of him? So might they sit Carson Wentz longer to try to get him fully healthy and get the right version of him out there? So that being said, Doug, you know, uh, there is a Nick Foles potential out there. There's a Gardner Minshew potential out there. Uh, Those guys aren't as good as Marcus Mariota. Nick Foles is number three on the depth chart. He's behind Andy Dalton. So if you're behind Andy Dalton on someone's depth chart, I can't imagine that's the first choice for Indianapolis, although it could be something that, uh, you know, Chris Ballard explores if he wants to pay a lower cost. Uh, You mentioned Jimmy Garoppolo. You know, that might be something that the cost could potentially be too high uh, for Indy because I don't think Kyle Shanahan's just going to hand him over based on... uh, what the value of a Jimmy Garoppolo might be around the league. I mean, Carson Wentz might still be able to generate a first-round pick uh, for the Philadelphia Eagles. So it's going to be fascinating to see it play out. But if you're the Raiders and you're in the spot you're in right now where you are a middling team, you're a team that has consistently been picking in the middle of the first round for the last couple of years, you're not getting guys who are making a difference. Uh, Really, during the John Gruden era... Who's the difference maker that they've drafted? Who's the guy that you look at and say, thank God they didn't miss out on that player? So I hear where you're coming from when you say not just draft picks, but at some point it has to be more about the asset than it is about who uses it. And I want to believe that if the Raiders build up some assets that eventually, whether it's John Gruden or anybody else, and I know Mark Davis has his man crush and John Gruden's probably not going anywhere, but someone needs to be able to figure out how to use those assets because otherwise... This team's not getting any better anyway. Wow, he actually sounded like a doctor. If you were my doctor right now, uh, Doctor Candy. Now I can't even call you Adam anymore. I have to call you Doctor Candy. I think I think I would take any prescription you you said I needed to do. I mean, that was very oh. authoritative. Well, uh, here, here's the thing. Mm. I, I I prescribe you two aspirin and a whole lot of loving. <laughs> wow. Okay, well, with that, I'll tell you what. Let's take a little bit of a break. Not for a little bit of loving, but when we come back, we'll discuss some NBA free agency moves. I will say the one that piqued my interest the most, I think, is one of the more unusual ones.
I do want my respect. I think that's the main thing. I'll play my contract. You know, I've been very loyal to Chicago. I like Chicago. I just want my respect. And, you know, if that's uh, if it's now or later, you know, it's uh, something that we got to work out internally. This is the Press Box with Doug Douglas and Adam Candy. Yep, those are their names. We know it's Dr. Adam Candy. That was Zach Levine coming back. And, of course, NBA free agency. Oh, it's been crazy. It's been wild. And it hasn't even been a full day yet. But let's delve into it. I know, Dr. Candy, you are quite in tune on this. What has struck you so far? I'm going to tell you in a minute what one just grabbed my attention. And I just kind of shook my head and said, why, why? But uh, what has stood out to you so far in this under 24 hours of NBA free agent frenzy i i cannot contain my curiosity any longer i need to know what yours is first and let's go from there i need to know i need to know what is this what is this off the wall under the radar one that has you shaking your head well it's not under the radar but if this is what amazes me i would love to know what the end goal of some of these teams are i understand what the end goal for the lakers the bucks i even understand the end goal for like the heat teams like that what is the end goal for the New York Knicks in signing Derrick Rose, you know, for three more, three more years. This is what got me. Three more years, 43 million. I just, when I saw that on the last night on the scroller, I was watching ESPN and all of a sudden I just shot up out of my chair and I'm like, what is the, what's the end game there? What are they thinking? They're saying, okay, three more years of Derrick Rose. This is what we need. That's the one that just baffles me. Sometimes Conley back with Utah, I get it. I Explain that one to me. And then I will raise you from a doctor to, uh, I don't know what's higher than a doctor, but you're going up. A Fauci. Uh, so um, <laughs> he may not I'm, be able to explain I'm, in my, I'm in my fourth decade of, <laughs> of being a Knicks fan. Um, and I... If I could do that, if I could explain to you what is in the minds of the New York Knicks front office, I would sleep better at night. Um, I I probably would be less apt to want to throw things at my television on days like yesterday. Um, because honestly, Doug, it wasn't even the Derrick Rose signing that got me screaming. It was the Evan Fournier signing. Uh, <laughs> Multiple screams. Four years $78 million for Evan Fournier. Um, that is after you gave out three to Derrick Rose, three to Nerlens Noel, oh, and three to Alec Burks. Um, all of those eating up what was your $54 million in cap space. And look, I understand that as a Knicks fan, you can't sit around waiting for LeBron or KD or Kyrie to say, oh, you have all this cap space? I'd love to take it because nobody comes to New York for that anymore. You can go anywhere and make your money. Um, but Derrick Rose at that money is banking a whole lot on him being able to stay healthy over the course of three years, which I mean, God bless. I mean, make, make, make the sign of the cross and find a doctor smarter than me because I, I don't know that you're going to be able to do that. It, well, first of all, if that's what you're banking on, the banking system is going, you know, bankrupt. <laughs> 32 years old. Average what fourteen point seven points last year. I mean, I that's what, and you have to feel for some of these teams, not the Knicks, 
Uh, but you have to feel for some of these teams. Well, because they are a quote-unquote major market. And while Milwaukee won last year, you know, it's uh, the NBA, more of a major market thing. But, I mean, you look at some of these teams, like if you're a Kings, Sacramento Kings, season ticket holder, you know, what is, what, what's your end game? Doug, if you're a Sacramento Kings season <laughs> ticket holder, that means, A, you live in Sacramento, and B, you have chosen to invest money that you probably had to work hard for, money that required you to miss time with your family, to give up on your hobbies, to support Vlade Divox and that front office. <laughs> um, I, I, I don't know what you were thinking in the first place, but no, I mean, look, they... They re-signed Rashawn Holmes, which is not a bad signing. Frankly, anyone who's willing to sign the extension in Sacramento, you probably have to pay the premium in order for them to do that. Um, elsewhere in free agency, what caught my eye the most, um, how about Duncan Robinson getting five years and $90 yeah. million? Um, you know, a guy who went from undrafted, having to prove himself here in the summer league, to a guy who now is set for life. I thought that was impressive uh, Signing, obviously, the Heat did a lot, right? Kyle Lowry comes in uh, in sign and trade, and you add, um, you know, you add a piece like that, a guy who still has some pretty good miles left on him, and you max out Jimmy Butler at woo, woo, hoo, 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 four years on the extension for Jimmy Butler. Good luck uh, with that. But that's not even the craziest four year extension, Doug. You gave four years to Chris Paul at 36. Yes, well, that's, yeah. a, that's a great point. But, you know, it's a hometown deal, hometown deal. Uh, uh, if you want to pay twenty million, yeah, you want to pay him the money on a hometown deal. That's great. Like if someone pay, you know, if my job chose to pay me a ridiculous sum for one year, then you know, at the end of that one year, they might look back and say, eh, "Okay, eh, we're going to talk about that next year." The Suns chose to commit to Chris Paul through age forty, and it's not like Chris Paul has been Tom Brady in terms of defying father time. Happy birthday, Chris Paul has been injured consistently, including this year in the playoffs. And I think the biggest problem for me with the Chris Paul deal is that if you're the Suns and you looked at this situation and said, we made it to the NBA finals, we lost in six games, let's run it back, we were that close, then you're fooling yourself about what it took to get there. Because LeBron James was hurt and Anthony Davis was hurt and the entire Denver Nuggets team was hurt. I mean, they went through teams that were injured to get to the point that they're at, and obviously that Clippers team as well. So the Phoenix Suns can't just look at it and say, let's try it again with this group. That's what they're doing, but I don't see where that's going to be fruitful for them in the long term, assuming the Lakers ever go and add some real shooting as opposed to bringing in, you know, Trevor Ariza and Dwight Howard. Well, I will say, though, the Raiders have the Raiders. Good Lord. The Lakers, the Lakers are skewing towards the Tom Brer, Tom Brady age bracket. I mean, the, their roster is going to be almost eligible for AARP. I mean, they're going to that should be what their uh, new sponsor is, because the over 30s on that roster. So if you're in the West, true, I mean, you know, they're stacked, but you're looking at another long season in a playoff run. If you're a team like the Jazz or the Suns, now they're also not exactly young, especially with Chris Paul, but you're looking at that, you're going, okay, we have a shot, and that's all we need is some of these older players. You know, history's not good with uh, basketball players and age. Well, 
you just made a great point that uh, needs to be brought up about the Utah Jazz. The Utah Jazz are a team that can run it back. That is a team that absolutely can say, if Donovan Mitchell was fully healthy last year, we probably not only go to the finals, but give Milwaukee one heck of a series. And so the Jazz re-signing Mike Conley for three years, go for it because they didn't even really have a healthy Mike Conley for most of that season either. So we haven't seen the best of what that Jazz team can do. Now, I have my doubts about a team anchoring its defense around Rudy Gobert. I, I think that he ends up as, even though he is a defensive player of the year candidate every year, once you get to matchup time in the playoffs, it can be really difficult for a team with an athletic big uh, if they pull Rudy away from the hole. That being said, top to bottom, I like that Utah roster better than I like that Phoenix roster if you're just going to say, let's try this one more time. And that's not even to mention the Denver Nuggets who are going to get Jamal Murray back, and that's another team that probably makes a run to the NBA Finals if they're fully healthy. So it just kind of mystifies me uh, with the Suns to commit to that long for Chris Paul. Maybe they had to put that fourth year, or frankly even that third year, onto the contract in order to keep him from going to Los Angeles and joining up with with LeBron James. Who knows? But in any case, uh, that was one that left me scratching my head. And Steph Curry agreeing to four years. A little surprise there because I thought Steph was kind of leaving basketball behind because when you have an entity like Holy Moly, the greatest show on television right now, by far as your vehicle and trying to make miniature golf a bigger sport, I'm really surprised Steph is still focusing on basketball. I've learned something here today. Uh, your affinity for miniature golf is uh, is strong. Uh, and, and Steph Curry is clearly interested in branching out, whether it's that, whether it's more commercials. He's been a guy who has certainly shown himself to be multifaceted. His wife's restaurant business, uh, they they have built an empire up in the Bay Area. And I think we saw last year with Steph playing essentially with what three quarters of what Draymond Green used to be and then a bunch of kids (laughs) that he is someone who can absolutely not only elevate his franchise but elevate the league it was a shame that that team lost in the play-in because I would have loved to have seen what Steph could have done in the playoffs but I think they just ran out of gas at the end of the year Uh, you look at what they are now where they bring back Clay Thompson you put him in the mix with Draymond you've got Wiseman depending on what you think about uh, you know what the rest of that roster could be Golden State's going to be right in the mix next year. And I loved what they did with their draft with uh, Kaminga and Moody. Uh, Frankly, Moses Moody is a guy they wanted at seven, ended up getting at 14 without having to move at all. So, uh, again, all of these things come back to me to is the Suns window as open as they think it is? Because like you said about the Lakers, they're old, but they know they're old. They know that this is LeBron's team and they have to pack as much around LeBron in the last couple of years of this contract as is possible to try to win another championship. Well, speaking of old, we'll go out to Ed Graney, live from Raiders training camp here just after this short commercial break. Ed Graney has been a journalist for over 30 years. He's seen a lot of and been given a lot of free stuff. Oh, brother. All right, back to show and tell. Whether it was scurvy or a padre eating a Snickers bar. Why don't you bring this potato? You're always trying to give me potatoes. What is it with you? Ed Graney is here to show and tell. Doug Douglas, Adam Candy filling in for Tyler and Ed, but we will go to great lengths and great depths 
of the Clark County to go to Ed Graney live from Raiders training camp in Henderson, Nevada. Ed, how's it going today? Buddy, it's the best day out here. Why? Because we're starting practice indoors in the air conditioning. So first day of pads, and we're not out in 110 degrees. That'll happen later. So it's a good morning already. All right, Ed. Last time we talked to you from training camp, you put together what was (laughs) one of the premier reports of your entire career as we, I think it was the premier report. <laughs> as we, we measured Smoker and Rugsy, yes. the two fastest men on earth, yes, according to John Gruden, uh, the two fastest men on the planet, and how quickly they went to, how quickly they could walk, how quickly they uh, got the, the helmets dunked with the, uh, yep. at the water jug. Uh, w- what sort of intrepid reporting have you done for us today? Um, well, we just walked in because they just start at 7.30, so I haven't been able to really take a bird's-eye look, but I will tell you, they're in pads. Some are wearing the green sleeves, which appears to be the special teamers, as Hunter Renfro just caught a punt. Others you don't want to touch because they're in the red jerseys. That would be Derek Carr, uh, perhaps soon-to-be Colts quarterback Marcus Mariota and Nathan Peterman. Everyone else is in white and black, so it's a color-coordinated practice here at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. Oh, wow. Nice plug. Uh, well done. Um, Ed, should Marcus Mariota potentially be in some sort of like a neon flashing, we will yes. kill you yes. if you touch him jersey? Should it be yes. like illuminated with LED lights? Like, seriously, this guy is the best asset we have on our team right now? Well, I think so, because the reports keep coming out about the Colts. And obviously, when you're in red, you're not touched. If you put them in the fluorescent, you might, I don't know, I guess it depends if they want to move him or not. I mean, if they want to move him, the kid should be sitting down and, like, having a Gatorade, not moving. But uh, if they don't want to move him they just want to say, hey, don't you think about starting anywhere else, you might put a regular jersey on him and uh, have, a, have a few guys, uh, you know, pat him up a little uh, when they come at him. So he's in a red jersey this morning. But I'll ask you, I'll, I, I saw this on Twitter this morning, you love this. I think someone put this out, I'd love your thoughts on this. Someone said, okay, if they're going to move him, if you're the Colts, I mean, if you're the Colts, I think you ask for a one. I mean, why not? You just ask for it, and then Gruden will probably give you married on like three threes. But um, the, it was pointed out there, like, look, the Colts should just ask for everything. But I also saw the response of saying even a two is too much for him. You can't give up a two. I don't know. What do you think? I didn't. Kind of yesterday, we kind of settled on a two. Adam said a two that would probably be fair for both sides. I agree on it, too. And look, you can't do this in a vacuum. You can't just say right. that Marcus Mariota, the quarterback, isn't worth a two. You have to look at the circumstances. The The Colts are in a spot where they have a win-now roster other than what's going on at QB. And if that means they have to trade another two, then so be it. And I say another two because they've got that pick that's either going to be a one or a two going to the Eagles based on how much Carson Wentz ultimately plays. So, you know, if you're the Colts, you absolutely have to be willing to part with that. And if you're the Raiders, a two should be the basement for what you're willing to take uh, back from Indianapolis. Uh, Ed, do you believe the reports out of Indy that that we've heard that they have no intent uh, of trading for someone? Because I don't know. That seems hard for me to believe that they're going to roll with Jacob Eason with the rest of that roster. I mean, I guess the only way I believe it is if their doctors behind the scenes said it'll be four to five and not 11 to 12. It's like yesterday's like, here's the range of his injury, 5 to 12. I'm like, well, if it's anywhere near like 7, 8, 9, you're getting up in the numbers. You can't go with Easton right now. If they're saying, uh, he's a quick healer or we can do this and it's not as bad. And we, we looked at him the day after. A lot of times, you know, they look at a guy the day after and it's a little different. You know that. And they're saying 4 to 5. 
do you want to give up a two? I'm not sure. Do you want to, like you said, it's a playoff roster right now. I just can't believe anybody's going in the room and saying, yeah, we can roll with Easton, and we're going to count on the guy coming back. That's your thing. I mean, you don't know how he's going to heal. So you might say four to five, and it gets to five, and, you know, hello, uh, Corey Seager with the Dodgers, and five becomes 13 because you never know how guys heal. Ed, so I'm with you. I'd, I'd go get somebody. Ed, he, he's Carson Wentz. We know how he heals. He doesn't. <laughs> he doesn't heal. Um, yeah. I would go get somebody. I mean, again, I, I, I'm with you. I would give up. If you can get Marcus Mariota, well, okay, would you give up a two for Nick Foles? No. No, absolutely no. not. No, 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 no. What would you give it, up for Nick Foles? A four? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think you have to be realistic if you're if you're Chris Ballard and say is Nick Foles necessarily an upgrade over Jacob Eason? He's closer to a replacement level player at this point in his career. I mean, Nick Foles couldn't hold off Mitchell Trubisky last year, so yeah. I, I don't know that I'm necessarily giving up a big pick for him. But you know, the other piece of this equation is I've seen it from the Raiders' perspective where the Raiders talk about how, well, you know, you need to have a backup quarterback in place just in case things don't sure. go well uh, for Derek Carr. If yep. Derek Carr isn't in good shape, if Derek Carr is not healthy, Ed, this team's not going anywhere anyway. Oh, exactly. And I, I don't know. I mean, if you're the Raiders, like you just said, Adam, is it in their mind risk-reward? I mean, obviously you don't want Peterman playing. I mean, uh, the other thing I'm wondering, let me ask both of you guys this. Okay, we saw him last year in one game when Derek went down, and he was really good, and I don't know, maybe that's like, you know, the week, it's a short week. You don't really prep for a guy, and obviously he plays well. We don't know if he could have done that three, four straight weeks in a row. Are we, because you guys saw him at the end of the Tennessee days, it, are are we or others overemphasizing that game and maybe he's not that good? I don't know. The, I mean, we've seen him in one game, and I see him out here throwing passes to nobody. So, you know, in terms of, like, uh, there's no pressure on him. So I'd love to know if people think, well, he's still really good. Uh, you know, he's like when he took to the Titans of the playoffs, or – did we just see one game and we're overestimating how good he really is? I mean, everything that I've ever read about him is he's one of the best red zone passers in the last 20 years. The problem is getting to the red zone has always been yeah. his issue. So, I mean, he might be great if you, you know, let Derek Carr get him to field goal range and flip Martin Mariota in there. Well, I mean, the way they, the way they've, uh, it's like, Malcolm Subban in the shootouts. Maybe you're right. Maybe they get to the red zone. They put him in. They're giving their red zone issues the last several years. Well, it's something along those lines, Ed. We saw uh, yesterday that Richie Incognito was pretty vocal talking about how the red zone offense has been terrible, how they really? have not been uh, they have not been creative enough, that they're not blocking correctly. Uh, I saw a stat yesterday that said uh, of the Raiders' runs in the red zone last year, Josh Jacobs had 78% of them. Um, so you've written on this, uh, what can be done uh, about these red zone issues? Because now you got even a guy like Richie Incognito, who's the veteran on this offensive line coming out and saying, yeah, we, we really haven't been good. I mean, I think what has to be done is what hasn't been done in his career. And Gruden has to stop being so conservative. I mean, go back to the Tampa Bay days, his last three years in Tampa Bay, they were 28, 27 and 30. And it might've, you know, led to getting him fired, not specifically just that, but they couldn't score in the red zone. Look what he's done here. I think he's too conservative. Waller last year, you have one of the best tight ends in football. You barely throw the ball in the red zone. Like you said, Josh Jacobs has, I think what you just said, it's the second most touches or carries in the red zone last year, and they're one of the worst red zone offenses. So I think it comes down to who the head coach is. And he says, oh, we got to call better plays. But you know what? I heard that last year. 
Like I, I, we've heard it now from him. We got to call better plays. We got to call better plays. Well, then call more creative plays. I mean, I just, I just think he's, and and guys have said this. I read this this week from a writer who said he just has always been this way in the red zone. I don't know if hey three is good and we want some points out of this or whatever, but that's not 2021. You guys know better than anyone. I mean, that's not 2021 offenses. You can't when you lead the league in red zone field goals. That's not good. <laughs> like, they, they, they put that on some note. Well, the Raiders led the league in field goals in the red zone. That's not, like, something I'm bragging about. You, you need touchdowns when you get down there in 2021 with the offenses. So, I think it comes down to John Gruden. I mean, he calls the plays, and I think I'm with Incognito. I think they've been too conservative. You know, Ed, with Richie Incognito, I'm curious here, because a couple of years ago when he was brought in, we had all sorts of questions, right? He was coming off some very yep. serious, uh, whether it's whether you want to talk about the mental health issues or whether you want to talk about the discipline issues, which are not necessarily related, uh, and going all the way back to the hazing issues uh, with Richie Incognito. And it, it seems that he has been, as much as the Raiders could hope for, a model citizen, uh, obviously had his injury issues last year. What's the sense about what you get about how he has developed along with this team and in this locker room and I guess into a leadership position with the offense so obviously we only see what we see in terms of interviews I, I told Jared this last year if there was one guy after game back when we actually went in the locker room before COVID that most of us would go to after game it was Richie Incognito he was thoughtful he was compelling he was intelligent he knew exactly what happened in the game so all the other stuff obviously we don't see because we're outside I was interested yesterday I think he is embracing, now that Rodney Hudson is gone, being the leader and uh, of that offensive line, and obviously he should be, given his stature and how young the other guys are. Now, great question would be, are they accepting his leadership? You know, what's happening in the locker room, which we don't get to see. We don't get to be in the meetings. We don't get to see how guys really feel about him. But he thinks he's the leader. I mean, if you listened to him yesterday, he, he's the leader. So I think that's what he wants to be. Whether or not he is, we might never know because we're not in those you know intimate settings in terms of locker rooms and stuff. But I'll tell you what, if this locker room ever opens up, I'm going to him after a game because there's no better quote in the locker room. Well, I will say this. If a leader, you may not want to make fun of uh, other people's music. I'm not sure that's a leadership quality. So, Doug, you know where I stand on this. Adam Hill, anytime any song comes on at practice, it doesn't matter what it is, he'll come up to me because, Doug, you know my knowledge of music. It is zero. I have no idea what's happening. And he'll say, who is this? I will always say Drake, and I'm 50% all the time. <laughs> I And I like right now, whatever's playing, if you have to say, well, that's Drake. It probably isn't. But half the time, he's like, yeah, you're right. And then the other half, he just laughs at me. Ed, there I mean, oh, go that's ahead. That's realistic. No, it's realistic. That's, that's <laughs> absolutely realistic. And I think if you keep saying Drake, you'll probably still keep being 50% right. Yeah, and absolutely. I, I, is Adam impressed, or does he think that you're guessing? Oh, I, oh. Well, I'm guessing, obviously, because I don't know music, but Adam's never impressed with me about anything. So he just kind of laughs and walks away. I went to Garth Brooks. I knew three songs. One of them I cheated on because it was uh, from the movie with Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga. What was that movie? A Star is Born? Like, his wife came out at the end and they sang it. So it doesn't really mean I knew three. I probably knew two because everyone knew that last one. Uh, So I was two for three at Garth Brooks and the rest. I just kind of, my wife knew every word to every song. I just kind of stood up and pretended I did. And I had absolutely no idea what he thought. I was saying. Ed, with the tales never fails approach to music. <laughs> <That's right>. um, <laughs> Ed, 
you said uh, you told me um, before we had like got you on the air that the, today's the first day of padded practice. Who are you looking forward in the Oklahoma drill? Well, if they run the Oklahoma drill, John Gruden might be fired because even in pads, I'm not sure in today's NFL how much they hit. We're going to no, see when they go on the field sure. right now. They're just stretching indoors. I t- I'll tell you one thing, Jared. Like They haven't been in pads yet, but if you watched every practice, I don't think anyone let the defensive line know that because there were times they had to be called off on the offensive line. They went really hard in Gothway, Crosby, because I do think they think they have something to prove, which we both know they have a lot to prove. And they went hard in non-pads where even the media is like, man, that was, that was kind of rough there even for NFL players. So I'm kind of interested to see if they even amp, ramp that up when they get out on the field because this defensive line, I think, knows it has to perform well. And they started the first day of camp really going after it. So now I'm looking out in the field right now. They all have pads on, so we'll see what happens in about 10 minutes. Well, I don't know if I'm just a eternal pessimist on things, but I just look I just look at the injury report at the end of the day or if anything by that because when it all said and done, let's be honest, the biggest thing is to get out of training camp with no injuries to especially positions with not a lot of depth. Yeah, yeah. They can't get hurt at key spots. You're right. Especially, And the thing about it is we don't know what key spots are defensively yet because he's still putting a lot of young guys out there who have to prove themselves. But And that's why I think, Doug, and you see it more and more as the years go by. They just don't hit very much in camp. Right. The hardest they'll hit by far are the Rams practices and the Rams scrimmage when they go up to L.A. in a few weeks and have three days of practices there. But even then, Gruden said he and McVay will be very controlled. They will discuss it. How much are they going to hit? I think they're scared to death with as much money as these guys make and how important winning is. I don't think they hit much at all in camp. I mean, you have to hit some, but I think they take they, they wait for the preseason games for that. I'll be surprised today, like, if I go out there, if there's a lot of hitting because I just think they're scared to death of anyone key getting hurt. Well, and let's remember, there's only three preseason games this year, yeah. so, you know, there's, there's a little bit less there. Well, Ed, we thank you much. Hopefully we'll talk with you again tomorrow and find out if Drake is playing in the background. Well, now, Doug, you're an expert. I'm going to hold the phone up. Hold on just a second. Oh, God. Yeah, but I'm not an expert on... Is that Drake? <laughs> yes. Yeah, yes, sure. that is Drake. Sure. Okay, I got it again, fellas. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Woo! <laughs> All right, well, there you go. That's Ed Graney. We've heard of that guy live from Raiders training camp. When we come back, we'll take a look at a few other things going on in the NFL here on the Press Box on a Tuesday morning. Like I said, you know, these guys, uh, some of them just won't do it. And I shouldn't say it, but some of the things they read are just out there. You're locked in the press box. That was Mike Zimmer talking about some of his Vikings players and their hesitancy or not getting vaccinated against COVID-19. Adam, well, now that we know you're a doctor, a self, self-proclaimed self doctor, and so far you've been very authoritative, so I believe everything you say, which is part of the problem. People believe everything from anybody, and everybody has opinions, and that's their right to have an opinion. But sometimes I think uh, it's just the logic or lack of logic on certain things to me is astounding. But having said all that, I'm amazed when, and I don't know, I actually don't know your view on this, Adam, but I'm amazed at when the NFL kind of cracked down and said, okay, here is what we're doing this year. If you're vaccinated and something goes, you know, goes astray and you have to be put out for 10 days or something like that, 
We're going to handle it one way. If you're unvaccinated, it'll be handled a different way. There will be forfeitures of games, et cetera, et cetera. And I was reading, and you know, when you read comments on Twitter or any social media, I saw somebody go, communist, communist for doing this, NFL's communist. And I thought, well, no, that's whatever you think. That's kind of the opposite of communism. That's kind of capitalism by the NFL, whether you agree or disagree. But that is the true definition of capitalism. The NFL wants to keep the money-making machine (laughs) going at any cost. And for them looking at it, they figured that the best way is for the players and coaches, et cetera, to get vaccinated. Whether you agree or disagree with it, I would say that is as far from communism as I can see because it is still your own personal choice what to do, but your choices have consequences. Dr. Candy, please respond. Ooh, I like the way you presented that. Uh, I once was told, by the way, by someone who is currently a very high-ranking political official in this state that... Based on my voice alone, I could have gone into law Actually, and won, won jury cases. Like, won jury cases just based on being able to present things the way I present them. So hopefully everybody will believe me when I say this. Mike Zimmer is exactly right. And why is Mike Zimmer upset in the first place? Because his quarterback room here in the middle of camp has been knocked out by COVID-19 because Kellen Mond tested positive, the rookie from Texas A&M. But of course, as close contacts, that takes out Kirk Cousins, that takes out Nate Stanley. You know how far the Vikings had to go yesterday? They signed Case Cookus. Why do I know who Case Cookus <laughs> is? Because Case Cookus was the quarterback for Northern Arizona I University have. where I went to school. And if you're signing a random FCS quarterback off the street, I'd say things are not at the point you want them to be on August 2nd in training camp. So the Minnesota Vikings are being affected by this quite badly right now. Um <laughs> Overall, they're going with the carrot instead of the stick, right? I don't think this is the stick. I think this really is the carrot where they say, here are the advantages you get as a vaccinated player in the NFL. You can go to meals with your teammates. You can have your family on the road with you. You can basically be free of all of the restrictions that everyone had to deal with last year when we didn't have a vaccine. Uh, And Mike Zimmer's been pretty firm about this with his team because Here's the bottom line. He said, I think we're going to have guys miss games. I think we are going to have guys who end up not being able to play. Jared, I think you have more from Zimmer. Going through all the things that you had to do last year, masks and protocol and travel, and you can't leave for a day, you can't go out, see your family, you know, all the things, can't go to dinner when you're on the road, you got to wear masks on the plane, all that stuff that uh, was just difficult. I just don't understand. I just don't understand that I think we could put this thing to bed if we'd, we'd all do this, but you know, it is what it is. It's a man who's frustrated. It's a man who understands that he is, Doug, as you said, trying to do the capitalist thing. He's trying to win football games, keep his players on the field, and speaking of capitalism, nobody gets paid if they have to forfeit games, right? They lose game checks over this. Yep. Nope. That's exactly right. And what amazes me is that, uh, you know, decisions have consequences and you look at certain people and that's fine. You, but then don't blame things when your decisions help lead to these consequences. That's the key on that. Well, there we go. There's our up on a uh, pedestal. And I'll tell you what, Adam, I believed everything you said. Now, coming up next, we'll talk about another sport, UFC, coming up at eight and their heartwarming moment on the Press Box.